Women aren't born warriors, we become them. And the road to becoming a warrior is bumpy as hell. Each week I'm interviewing women who through tragedy and triumph are leaping for greatness. Get ready to unleash your inner warrior. I'm Liz Swadek, and this is Conversations with Warrior Women. Welcome back to Conversations with Warrior Women. I'm your host and best girlfriend, Liz Swadek. On this podcast, we tell the truth. We go deep and we live with no regrets. If if you want to access your inner warrior, this is the place because you're going to listen to the stories of these warrior women who are in the trenches. They are in the ring fighting for the life that they want. And that's what you need to do too. Fight for the life that you want. What do you want? We're going to think about that today. Thank you for joining us today and joining our community of warrior women. Remember, you can find out more about this show by going to thewarriormoms.co and clicking on the podcast link. And hit that subscribe button while you're on it, people, on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify, because you got to keep up to date with all my new episodes and these great conversations with warrior women. So subscribe. And now on to our new sponsor. We have a new sponsor, and I love it. It's the Bloom Self-Guided Therapy app. It's, it is really, really cool. So Bloom is the easiest and most affordable way to start therapy. You can get personalized daily mental health coaching sessions to manage stress, anxiety, as well as improve sleep and heal yourself. Bloom is the world's first digital therapist in your pocket. Get daily guided interactive therapy sessions and exercises to work on your thoughts and behaviors. Join thousands of Bloom users already experiencing less stress and anxiety and more gratitude and joy in their lives with their daily interactive therapy sessions, guided CBT, that's cognitive behavioral therapy, journaling exercises, 100 plus exercises based on cognitive behavioral therapy, that's a mouthful, analysis of thoughts and emotions, and a personal well-being tracker. I have started using this app, and I have to tell you, I really like it. I really think it works. I mean, a lot of people have feelings about going to a therapist and you know, it's expensive. I know that. And this is kind of a nice way, you know, to kind of dip your toe in the therapy pool. So I've been enjoying it. I I love their exercises. So it's the Bloom Self-Guided Therapy App. Okay. Time to get on with the show. Today, we are speaking with warrior woman, Paige Nolan. Paige is a writer, speaker, and life coach for women. As a former teacher and guidance counselor, Paige has devoted her career to supporting women and families. Her studies in human and organizational development at Vanderbilt University and organizational psychology at Columbia University combined with her real world experience of managing her career and family life, that's the foundation for Paige's coaching and practice. Paige facilitates workshops and retreats, which I have been on and they're fabulous, by the way, for individuals or couples and groups to help people claim and commit what matters most in their lives. In fact, one of the things she teaches, her her, her amazing event that I went to was Live What Matters. Paige lives in Los Angeles with her husband and three kids, three cute kids, and one old dog. (laughs) Welcome, Paige. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you, Liz. Oh my gosh, Paige. I'm so, every time I talk to Paige, I could, uh, first of all, every time I see you, I start crying. Me too. I was thinking I tears in my eyes. Why do we just want to just cry? Like we that. Just, that makes me feel normal. It's mutual. Oh no, it's mutual. I see you and I, I want to just gouge my eyes out because I love you so much. And then I start crying. Like I just can't even take it. I'm holding back the tears right now. 
Right back at you. I'm so happy to have you on the show. Your journey, I mean, I know a lot of your story because I've done your events and what is so amazing about you is so forthcoming about like everything you've been through, which helps me think about what I'm going through and it really helps me. But your journey to being a life coach really resonates with women because I've been in the room with you and women are like literally zeroed in on you when you tell the story about how you were living other people's dreams and telling yourself a story that really was not true about yourself. So let's like get into that. Let's talk about that. Yeah. I call that the checking the boxes approach, what I had. Yes. Um, I was raised in the deep South, uh, loved, like had a great childhood. My family's still there. My parents have been married 50 years. Um, and I was raised around a lot of these ideas that a lot of us um, were, were, were the Gen X, right? So Claire yeah. Huxtable was on the TV. You can do anything. What you need to do to be able to do anything is pursue a great education, go to the best schools that you can possibly get into. Um, in order to do that, get straight A's, be involved. Um, the good girl mentality. So be nice to everybody, be likable, be agreeable. Um, get out of college, definitely get married get a good job, have kids, get your dogs, own your home. And when you check all these boxes, that will equal happiness. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's not a bad thing to pursue all those boxes, by the way. I mean, all those things I naturally wanted. I love school. I wanted to be married. I wanted to have children. Um, what I think I was short-sighted on once you get all that is it, it doesn't necessarily equal happiness. Yeah. Happiness is something that requires much more of your um, participation and this kind of uh, these external definitions. This happens. I, I know you can relate to this when you get those, like when you achieve those. It's often a lot messier. You know, th there's a lot more emotions that come your way along yes. the way. Yes. And I think I was surprised. I call it the weight of what I wanted. Oh, God. I think I was surprised. Like I got what I wanted. I have a beautiful life. And so, and I have money. I mean, like I, I went to these schools, I have some student loans, but not too many. Um, I'm white, which is a privilege in our culture. Um, I married the guy that I had a crush on. I live in a home in Southern California, a really great neighborhood. So it, I felt a lot of shame that I couldn't figure out how to be happy with everything that I had wanted and that there are so many people in this world that have a much more challenging time to even get themselves um, into the system of education, for example, or right. into the job world in a way. And so I think that that's the story that I tell, and I tell it in different ways when I facilitate groups. Um, but I, I experience a lot of nodding heads, yeah, you know, yeah. a lot of people leaning in because my audience we are in this together. We are highly educated. We have um, reached a certain level of, of outer success. Yes. And we have to reconcile now. And, and a lot of that is midlife reckoning, you yes. know, at a certain age, like, okay, all of these things don't protect you from mortality. They don't protect you from suffering. They don't protect you from pain. And happiness is one of many positive emotions you can experience, but it's going to come and go. Yeah. What is the real fulfillment is a deep sense of meaning and purpose. For me, the turnaround was redefining success. Like what really is success? What is your definition of success? But you, but you didn't even, I mean, it's not like you were like, I, like I just interviewed, um, Patty Ivins who oh, yeah. 16 years old made it a, a documentary. 
Yeah. Years old. And I said, how the hell? And she said, oh no, I'm one of those people. Like when I was like six and seven, I was like, I'm going to be a documentary. Yeah. I'm like, really? Oh my God. But you yeah. did not start out like, I'm going to be a life coach. You no. went down a complete other path. Not that it's right. unrelated. It is related, but you were right. going down a complete other path. Yeah. I think, um, for what me secure, I think a lot of it was like recreating my mom's life. Yeah. You know, it was, see, I saw what I saw, which was, she was a teacher for 25 years. And then at age 46 or 47, she went back to graduate school. So by age 48, she was practicing therapy and she loved it. So in high school, that was high school years for me. And so I saw her go through that experience of finding her true calling by age 50. And in my mind, I thought, well, I don't want to wait until I'm 50, but how do you have the courage? My true calling, I think I am living my true calling, which is entrepreneurship and writing and speaking just what I believe from my heart. But to get to that point where I felt worthy of that audience, worthy of the stage, worthy of the business, you know, there's no institution behind me. There's no school behind me. Um, That really felt like I had to go down this traditional path first, quote unquote, earn it. Right. You know, and so a big, a big, another pivotal, like aha moment was turning 40. Mm-hmm. So I had like third by age 38, I was like, okay, if you don't start doing this now, you're going to be 48 and you're going to be exactly like your mom, <laughs> which by the way, she's awesome. But yes. I, I feel like our generation, every generation evolves. I have 13 year old, they're about to be 13 years old, identical twin girls, and they are more insightful and astute and self aware at this age than I would have ever been. Oh, no, I agree. Yes. I mean, every generation, you know, we learn from the generation before. Yeah. So I almost felt a responsibility to to get the courage before age 40. So by 40, I really wanted to be doing what I was called to do. Right. And so what was the point of no return for you? Because you you know that I want you to tell the story about you were like at the grocery store and you were going to kill your husband. You know, (laughs) well, um, but- Yes, tell that story. But what was that the point of no return for you when you knew? And I also want you to tell the story about how <laughs> so, someone basically like told you to be a life coach or you had an accident. Something happened. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I know all the parts, but I don't know all the details. Tell me. Yeah, that, I will tell you that story. So the point of no return is where I was getting physical symptoms in my body. So we're internally, I think the body doesn't lie. You know, you can have as many thoughts as you want to have and you can trick yourself and tell the stories. But when you start getting physical symptoms in your body, something is off. Um, it's hard to ignore that. So I'll paint the picture of where I was when those physical symptoms started to come. And then I believe if, if we look at ourselves as a mind, a body and a spirit, to me, that spiritual part of us um, starts to get signs. For me, it's God. It can be a higher power. It can be a sense of goodness in the world. Whatever you believe um, is activated in your life, like good with a capital G, you know, life with a capital L. That thing, that entity started intervening in obvious ways. So I'll paint the picture as I was a full-time preschool teacher. Um, This was a great career path for me because I had studied human development at Vanderbilt. And then I'd gone on to study psychology, women work and family. So I felt like I really knew how to support women's lives, family life. I felt like I knew enough about human beings to be able to support kindergartners or pre-kindergartners. And all my kids went for free, almost. I mean, not completely free, but it was such a great thing for the family. That was a big one. Oh, yeah. Big you know, 
Uh, big score, exactly. Yeah. So I have the pre-K class at this preschool at the time. It's a competitive preschool. So there's high expectations that they would get into private kindergartners. So there's a lot of curriculum work and support around that process. I have three children under three myself. Oh my God. My husband is in a full-time job and I'm of the belief that if he's happy, we're happy. You know, like happy you husband. another thing on your list. But, yeah. <laughs> One more. Um, on Saturdays, we're fighting so bad on Saturdays because he's selling other people's TV shows and he's truly an artist on the inside and I'm teaching other people's children and I want to be writing to, to share my inspiration, my own teachings. So on Saturday, he wants to write music and I want to write a book. And so we fight every Saturday because neither one of us, we're full-time Monday through Friday. Oh my God. And so our marriage was under tension in the, in that way. It was very tit for tat time in our marriage. Well, you got to do this and well, you got to do that. Yeah, scarcity, scarcity. Yes. Yes. And yeah. I'll tell your listeners, cause I know if they're in this, one of the revelatory things we did was get a Saturday sitter. And the only thing that was in the way of a Saturday sitter was my own shame and guilt around motherhood. He did not have that around fatherhood. So once I got someone from 9am to 1pm on Saturday, once I got over the guilt of that, it completely opened up our marriage. It was such a beautiful solution. You both needed a break. You both right, needed- right, and so much happier. And that actually, those Saturdays were the seeds to now. He works full time as a composer and runs a music business, and I do my thing full time. Right. So all from that early solution. But where the breakdown came was this one particular day, where the twin girls were turning three and my son was one, and. I have in my mind exactly how the day should go because it's their actual birthday. It's not a birthday party. It's their birthday. And we are having the neighbors over. Their favorite meal to this day is still mac and cheese. Of course. And they love balloons because they're about to be three. And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm going to make them a special mac and cheese with the breadcrumbs on top. I'm going to pick up the balloons. I'll pre-order them and the neighbors will come over. And I get, you know, I have my day teaching at the preschool, I have to be on the 405, which is the interstate here, at a certain time to be able to get home, you know, to make the special mac and cheese with the new All timed within an inch of your life. (laughs) Totally. To ensure success. I mean, that's the way you do it. Totally. And the the first thing that happens is there's anarchy, right, in the preschool room. I can't control circle time, the whole thing. (laughs) Then a mother stops me in the parking lot because there's a pulley system, a bucket system on the playground, and a young boy, firstborn son... Um, gets knocked with the bucket in his eye. And at the time of the incident, there was no bruise, but right at pickup, there was a bruise. So it just popped right up, popped right up. So I'm in the parking lot discussing like how this wasn't her child's fault and how I could have missed it. (laughs) I'm not discussing it. I'm hearing, you know, all the things that I've done wrong. Ranting. Yeah. From the last 20 minutes of the day. And I get on the four or five, there's an accident. There's no snacks in my car. I'm so frazzled by the time I get home that I've forgotten to pick up the balloons. Of course. You know, so I'm riddled with guilt. Like the three-year-olds, they all they can't want. Live. It's all they not going to live without those balloons, Paige. No. And then I'm on the phone with my sister-in-law at the time, planning my mother-in-law's second wedding and a wedding shower. So second marriage, not my mother, not my mother. <laughs> <laughs> no, but please get in there and plan it. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're based in St. Louis and I'm in Los Angeles. Oh my God. So I'm on the phone with her and, and she's saying, you know, I think the theme, the theme color should be coral. Cause my mother-in-law loves coral. I'm thinking what the, you know, great. <laughs> Choose coral. I, I don't know anything. I have nothing that is coral, but I'm in. And so as I'm on the phone with her, the kids are screaming, you know, they're so hungry. I open the door and we have two rescue do- dogs. I'm a big dog lover. Like you are. 
Labrador retrievers. We have a 1,200 square foot house on the west side, and there's diarrhea all over the house. Oh my God. So I throw the phone down, you know, I don't even say goodbye to the sister in law. Clean up the house. It's fine. I make the mac and cheese. The neighbors come over. Nobody likes the mac and cheese because it's like the breadcrumbs with the larger noodles because they're like, where's the craft with the orange weird? You made fancy mac and cheese? How dare you? (laughs) And the big pivotal moment for me was the next day. Um, I call my mom, who's a retired therapist, and I'm waiting for her to say, you know, the big thing that she's going to say that'll solve everything. I've described the way my life is, and then I've described the way I thought it would be. And in that gap, I'm waiting for someone else, first and foremost, my mom, to tell me how to close it. You know, tell me. And there's this pause on the phone, and she says, honey, I just don't know how you got to be so insecure. And when I tell you, I was like... Oh my my gosh. So to unravel that, it was another probably year of journaling, pointing fingers. Well, it's you because I'm insecure because of that thing that you just said, who says that, Right. you know, and then it's dad or then it's, you know, my husband, he's self-centered. The twins got born too fast. The dogs don't know how to poo outside. You know, the preschool's too intense, you know, whatever you can point at, the only consistent thing that you come back to is your relationship to your life. And so the moment that I really got clear about that, which again, I want to reiterate to listeners, takes a minute. Mm -hmm. I go to the ocean and I'm in Santa Monica and um, I now have moved my family to the valley. So there's a big distance between where we live and the ocean. So it's like effort. It's like 45 minutes to get to the ocean. I've got a sitter. I go, you're going out there for what? What are you going to do? I want to go figure out how to close that gap. Now that I figured out it's really my responsibility. You're going there to think. You're going there to think and kind of get some clarity. Yes. Okay. And at this point, when you asked me earlier, how do I know this is a breaking point is because I now have had a cough for a year. I've cracked a rib coughing and I won't go to the doctor because I don't want to get a substitute teacher in my room because I want to save my sick days for my three children when they have to be home. So it's just like a total disconnect of your own needs and wants and just like basically how to take care of myself and not wait for either Boyd to get on a horse, you know, or my mom and dad to save me or somebody at work to tell me it's okay. It's like, it has to come from the inside. So this was my first, I think, power move. Yeah. Go to the ocean with a journal. I always find power in journaling. Yes. Um, To your point. Yeah. It's a really low access. It doesn't cost you any money. It's $4 to get a notebook and you can hear your own voice. And so I sat there by the ocean and um, again, the entity that I communicate most with is God. And so I write a letter to God and I say, this is how I feel like I could close this gap is through really meaningful work you know, career has always been really important to me. How can I create more good in the world? How can I contribute? And I've always wanted to help people get from A to B, right? The irony that I couldn't get myself from A to B. But they say you teach what you're learning. I mean, that's (laughs) that's it. And so I make this detailed list of what that looks like. I make my own schedule. I talk about love and faith and hope on my own terms. I'm not... um, held to any particular standards of somebody else's curriculum. I'm working with people who are smart and motivated adults. I'm working with adults, you know, that kind of thing. So I go back to my minivan, which is parked on an incline in Santa Monica. There's people frolicking in the field to the right. There's two cars, you know, in the front and back. And now I'm a little bit rushed because I'm aware of the time with the sitter. 
And I'm going back and forth trying to get out of this tight spot. And when I get my car angled to where I can get out, I accelerate. And instead of being in drive, I'm in reverse. Oh my God. So I go flying back to the car behind me. And it turns out the woman who had parked that car had just gotten out of her car. And so she comes whirling around with her arms up, um, enraged as you should be, you know, it was a big loud sound and saying, what are you doing? I can't believe you're doing this. And I'm so disoriented because when, you know, when you get in a, any sort of accident, but even a fender bender, I don't realize that I was in reverse. It just right. it happened so fast. Yeah. So I roll down the passenger side window and I say, can you come talk to me about this? I'm so disoriented. I had no idea, you know, that I didn't mean to hit your car. So she comes around, I roll down the driver's side window and I'm like, I don't want to get out of the car. I don't want to check for damage. And she's a little bit disarmed now. So she's more available. And she goes, okay, you sit here. You know, now she's in the power spot. (laughs) Like you sit here. You you take over. Yeah. (laughs) To go totally. have it, have the power. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll go check on the damage. Great. Cause I'm like already starting to cry. Like my chin is moving. And so she comes, she walks back to my car and then she comes back. And I remember that she broke the physical space. You know, she like hooked her hands Aww. on the, um, the side of the car and leans in closer to me. And she says, can I ask you a really weird question? And I'm thinking, well, it's the whole thing is already weird. Like I'm yeah. already here. What could be weirder? Go, go for it. You know, and she says, do you believe in God? And I said, yes, I was just writing him a letter. <laughs> you know, this I know awesome. him. Yeah, I know <laughs> him. Um, and she says, there's no damage to my car. I don't know why I'm supposed to meet you or what this means. And she takes out her wallet and pulls out a business card. And her name is Susan, which is my mom's name. And she says, I work as a life coach. And she said, there's some reason that you're supposed to know that about me. And of course it's so oh, LA. My gosh, I love it. The life coach. But I get full body chills and I'm back on the 405 driving home to the valley and I call one of my best guy friends from college. This is my favorite. Oh yeah. His name's Ryan and my firstborn's daughter's name is Ryan. And I go, Ryan, I can't believe it. I just got in this fender bender with a life coach and I think I'm supposed to be a life coach. And he starts <laughs> dying laughing. This is a guy, by the way, who had a poster of Tony Robbins in his room in college. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. He's like totally a Capricorn. I'm a Capricorn. Like we bond and we're very similar personality types. And he goes, I cannot believe you're telling me this. We used to be hammered in, in these bars in Nashville when we were 18 years old and you would be coaching me. And he's like, of course you're supposed <laughs> of course to be you're a life coach. You've been coaching me in the bars since we're 18. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's, that is a combination of the physical symptoms in your body when you know something is off. Yeah. Um, for me, that throat, like coughing is such a, it's like, you can't get your voice out, you know, your voice was constricted. You were constricted. You were literally choking your throat closed. Right. To show yourself that you had no voice. That's right. That's right. That's how I think of it now with more of an understanding of that mind, body, spirit, and quite frankly, more of a respect for it. Yes. Like paying more attention. Like it takes all three like sources of information for us to conjure up the, like the, the momentum and the, just the courage to change your life. You can look to all three, look to your thoughts, look to what your body's feeling and look inside your heart and have faith that what that next right action requires will be provided to you. Yeah. So that woman's business card really provided me a path. I mean, I ran my ass into Google which is so ridiculous. Like life coaching, that was almost 10 years ago now. Yeah. So life coaching has, has become more and more prevalent in our yeah. healing you know, circles. Yes. 
but it, it wasn't like it wasn't around 10 years ago. I mean, no, it's not the level that it is now. And, and by the yeah. way, now accept it. I mean, I think right. there was a right. little bit of a stigma of like, what are you? What totally. is this? Now yeah. I feel like people realize like any other coaching, like any other teaching, like any other, any other know, intervention you get, yeah. right? Like this is something people get when they need help, you know, doing things in their lives. Yeah. I know a big topic of interest for you is women and work yeah. and family, as we were just talking about. Um, and it's, it is a really dynamic experience, as you say, how do we assume all of these roles with the commitment and conviction to achieve them? I'm using your words, daughter, friend, wife, mother, provider, yeah. at least an income contributor and, or even breadwinner, daughter-in-law, daughter, neighbor, community helper. How do we do all these roles, wear all these hats, Paige? and not lose ourselves? How yeah. do we do that? Yeah. I think that's the question that I've actually been interested in um, since I was very young, like to your point about Patty. Um, it's not that I knew I could work around that question, but that question has compelled me because of watching my mom's life and all of her friends' lives go under mm -hmm. that same mm -hmm. um, stress. Yes. And so I studied it academically, you know, and I thought, well, if I write papers about where women work and family intersects, surely I'll be able to master it. Um, but really you answer that question by living into the answer, by having the experience of assuming these different roles. And for me, the answer has become in honoring myself mm -hmm. and really making conscious choices to protect my energy in a way that I can feed how I show up in those roles. So it is day by day, moment to moment, commitment to revisit, really like re, um, remember, mm -hmm. remember myself. And it's really hard sometimes, you know, to know where you stop and someone else begins. Yeah. I find like we both work from home now, as I mentioned earlier, our, our entrepreneurial paths have made that, um, just where, how we're organized right now. Yes. And we're in year three of that. And in the first year, if my husband walked into the kitchen, which he normally does around 10 a.m. and eats celery with hummus, even the crunching of the celery like would distract me because I'm oh, like, yeah. where is he? You know, is the That's house annoying. like this? Yes, because I'm I'm in charge of one of my roles as homemaker. And, you know, like I'm the one around the home, even though he's very cleanly, but it's just, and, and also helping him with his needs. So it's like, okay, do I need to tune into him? The dogs, like even hearing a dog near me is distracting. So it was, it's really about boundaries and knowing that if you continue to put other people's needs before you, if you don't practice the practice of knowing where you stop, it's just not my business. Yeah. And you know what? You I think, it. yes. And I think that, I mean, you have a great story about this too, but I, I think every woman has a story about how they are nearly killing themselves for their kids or their husbands right. and how they reach a breaking point where they're like, not another right. load of laundry will I do. Not yes. another dinner will I prepare because yeah. I have to just go in my room and think. I have to go see a girlfriend. I have to go take a bath. I have to because right. you're losing your mind. And and I would do the work for my husband, right? I right. Would all Over-functioning. Yeah. I, I would just like, I would be going out to dinner with a girlfriend. Oh, but not before I cook a full meal for him. Right. Because God forbid I get a break from that. And right. then I'm mad. 
then I'm mad. He's happy. He's like, oh my God, she's this is the greatest thing in the world. But I'm depleting myself, making sure I have no time to get ready for this right. dinner with my girlfriend. No time to have a little like, you know, five minute check-in with myself. Oh God, you had a long day. Right. You just brought the kids home. You did the snack. You did the homework. Again, getting all the homework done, getting the meal done, getting it all lined up for him versus when he goes out with his friends. Right. <laughs> I mean, let's just start laughing now and laugh for another 10 hours. When he goes out with his friends, Paige. Right. Dinner made for me. Is homework done? Right. Is, no, usually it's a shit show he's leaving me with. Yeah. So unbelievable yeah. that I'm even more mad. So I right. really, I think that's something that is, is something we don't really talk about is that setting yeah. yourself up for success. You can't always do everyone else's jobs. That's right. So these people are capable. You're yeah. in a marriage. You have, you're a mother, but these kids are capable. There's things people can do. You don't have to be yes. doing everything. Yes. I think it's also a, a big piece of it. Two things I want to say to that. One is not taking responsibility for their emotional experience. Yes. Like I am not on this planet for your peace of mind. You are in charge of your peace of mind. And I think that's because I did so much work to take more responsibility for my own life that now I know it can be done because I've done the work and yes. I do the work. You know, it's possible. I know it's possible. So to, to loosen up like that investment in somebody else's emotional experience and trust that whatever emotional experience they're supposed to have is theirs. It doesn't belong to me. You get to go have all your feelings about this and I don't have to process them for you. I think that's one thing that comes to mind. And the other is when you describe that um, flip-flop of like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to explode and not do it. I'm, I was a real queen of that. You know, I really had mastered that. I don't know if it's a flip-flop. It's almost like that. The pendulum swing? Yes, the pendulum swing. And to me, what I have to do now is consistently check in with myself, consistently buffer myself with blocks of time where I don't reach that level of explosion. Yeah. It's just, it's so easy for me. And I'm sure some of your listeners, and it sounds like you have empathy for this too. Like that swing isn't productive for anybody. It's too on and off. I'd rather take breaks along the week, you know, throughout the week. I take a bath every night. You know, I don't save yeah. it until I can't, you know, so now so you're dying. Yes. Right. right. And, and when you are consistent about that deepest level of self-care, even if it's putting your face in the sun for four minutes a day, just something where you are still and with yourself, yeah. you'll start to miss it when you don't have it. And so it feels more habitual. Whereas before it was a foreign object to me, it was a foreign experience. Right. And it now feels it's like weird. Sometimes it feels off. weird when you haven't done self-care right. in right. a while. And then you give yourself a minute of self-care. You feel like weird. Like you're yes. like, I'm sitting out in the sun. Should I, should I be out here? Like, right. I know I have things to do. I mean, it's, isn't it sick? Like, yeah. I mean, really like, no, sit in the sun. Sit yes. in the sun and yeah. feel it on your face. Enjoy. I mean, it is funny, right? Like I, I'm funny. much more comfortable killing myself for my family and my husband than I am taking care of myself. Yes. And then when you start, that's why I love the word practice. I probably use that word a lot. When you start it as a practice, it doesn't have to be perfect, mm -hmm. but I'm going to practice retreating. I'm going to practice sitting in my car for five minutes and breathing. I'm going to practice sitting in the sun. I think taking your shoes off and walking through the grass. I mean, just feeling yourself grounded in time and space 
when you start doing that more often, I, I equate it to if you were going to get clean in your diet. You know, if you give up, I always joke like or use the example. One of the things I love is a regular Coke. And so when I go Me through, too. I call that a high octane Coke. By the way, <laughs> I want to adopt my my name. Once again, you're making me feel normal. Good. Because in California, I'm telling you, people you can't like, pull out a regular Coke. Now, when I work in Atlanta, when I do my groups in Atlanta, I'm like, y'all, I'm going to have a regular Coke. They're like, hell yeah, you are. The whole room has Coke. <laughs> Love it. So yeah, I feel like when I go for periods without it, and then I have one, it, it you realize that it's straight sugar. You're like, oh my gosh, my teeth feel like they're going to fall out. I just have <laughs> But you know, so you, I think that it feels more abnormal to have it instead of that regular addiction. And so I, I really like to work with women to help them feel normal in everyday consistent self-care as opposed to that swing of like, I got to get out of here and go to a spa for three days. Totally. I mean, you can do that too. By that time, by the way, you can't even unring that bell in three days. Right. I, right. I've been on trips where I've been like, that wasn't enough time. Like, I mean, I, I listen, I want to be on vacation all the time, but, but yeah. I've been on those trips where I'm like, well, this is going to be really restorative. And it's not because I'm so wound up. It takes me so long to unwind. Right. Versus, you're right. If we are practicing, if we have more of like a daily practice of self-care, then you're never getting to the point where you have so far to go to get to yeah. baseline that, yes. you know, you can't even enjoy a vacation. But yes. I want to talk about something else. You are a big believer in teaching about love and getting better at loving. And this is something yeah. like kind of coming, this is like the stage of your life you're in too. Like you're feeling yes. this. Yes. I so tell me. It's a shift in my work. Yeah. Tell me about this. Um, I, I think it started maybe in the past 12 months, about um, eight months ago, I was driving in the car with my girls, twin girls and their best girlfriend. Her name is Sammy or one of their best girlfriends. And they're going to sleepaway camp. And we were going through pop music in the car and Sammy says, gosh, every single song on the radio is about relationships. And we oh. proceeded to, and Sammy's awesome, by the way. She's like a heart um, girl for me. Like I just love her spirit and her soul. And all of us in the car were like, oh my gosh, that's totally right. And then we started talking about it and what songs are about and, you know, people breaking hearts, coming together, mm-hmm. love, like mm-hmm. relationships, all that stuff. Yeah. Sex. Although I can't even, I don't think we really got into sex because I was steering away from that. <laughs> yeah. Let's steer from uh, that. I, de- I definitely think that that planted a seed and that combined with, as you say, in this particular chapter in my life, I've been married 15 years. Um, to, I want to stay in connection with my teenagers. So my, my girls are just a few weeks away from 13. My son will be 11 in a few months. And so it's a different period of, of relating to them. It's a different level of communication. Yeah. And then in my private practice, I noticed that more of my clients are inviting their husbands either to join for a couple sessions or doing these private mini retreats with husbands. And so this idea of love is a verb. You know, what do I do? What do I do in my life to practice love? And how can I help people, you know, either my clients, my friends, my loved ones, to step into the role, like what is the action that is required here for a more loving connection? And to me, I've really been thinking about it because my parents have been married 50 years and I was just writing about it. So I'm I'm really fresh on this topic in this past month. And it is um, the nature of extending for another, what that really means and why do we extend and what is the motivation of the, the extension for another? And it's always about growth. That's what I've landed on. It's always about someone's 
like personal growth, spiritual growth. That's why we extend. Why do we bend over backwards? Like you say, why are you willing to kill yourself for your kids? It's because you want them to grow. Right. You want them to be independent. Why do we do this for our husband? We want to keep growing up. We want to be with the, in these partnerships, maybe forever, you know, maybe our whole lives. So I think that's a real piece I'm uncovering and that love is not this, this noun like, Oh, well, I just love, you know, it's a real, you have to participate in it. It's an ongoing conversation. How do I do this? And really engage that question. What is the next right loving action? Cause it doesn't always look like saying yes. You know, sometimes it looks like saying no or creating space or having better boundaries. Sometimes it's the higher road. And I think that's where love gets, it's way beyond a lyric in a pop song. Oh my God. Yes. I I feel like the most loving thing that I've done for myself over the last two years even has been setting really good boundaries and holding those firm and holding them in a loving way, not holding them in a you know, hateful, but just really having, really coming from a heart space of saying, I really, I really, I'm going to say no to that today, you know, and, yeah. not, and, and knowing that I may disappoint someone and, that, right. but I really am, that's not my intention. My intention is I'm trying to keep this boundary for me so I can live and survive. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Um, I I appreciate Liz. One more thing on that, that you said, I've been thinking of the coronavirus too as a Corona, Yes, but just this, it's so reflective of how fear-based we are. And I think that's another thing that's come up with my practice as my clients age and their children's, their children age, you don't have control over teenagers the same way you have over a two and a three-year-old, right? Right. So to really balance out how anxiety we are ridden, you know, in our, in our culture and our everyday life, it's so pervasive. And so I'm noticing that love requires um, a practice around it, like positivity, like choosing the loving path means to choose that love is greater than fear, which I believe it is because we're still here. Yes. Yes. And I do think this is a weird panicky time right now. And people are in a little bit of a, a state. Well, but, um, yeah. How do you get, because I feel like a lot of the women that I talk to, like if I say, for example, oh, I hired a, a personal trainer. I'm like literally inspiring women to work out because I've told them I'm I'm done not putting energy around something that I really need for me to yeah. like be in shape. I need to be strong. I don't really care about the weight loss. I don't really care about my size. It's more like I want to be strong mm-hmm. and I want to feel good. And mm-hmm. I I feel like there's this I'm not enough thing that just always comes up with my girlfriends. Like if I'm if I'm talking to them, like the theme, like if they, if they're, they're not going to say that, but like, if I yeah. could just feel that underlying theme, which I'm sure this comes up in your practice, like all the time you, someone's saying something to you, but you're like, Oh, let me hear you. Let me hear what you're not saying yeah. um, <laughs> is I'm not enough. What's been your kind of experience in feeling that way? And how do you help your clients with the, I'm not enough feeling? I think one of the first things to do is support a friend or a client in saying it out loud. That's such an astute, it's like, it's an undercurrent. Oftentimes it sounds like you're tuning into that. And I certainly tune into that with my clients. Yes. So I think number one is get out your journal and write down what you could possibly um, be afraid of. And oftentimes it's connected to starting something. Yes. So a barrier to either close do I think I am a career. Yes. Um, a creative project, you starting a podcast, me writing a book, like what are the barriers of finally getting yourself fired up to do that? A lot of those barriers are, I'm not enough statements. 
Um, I also like to connect the I'm not enough with what I call the inner critic, right? So whatever you're trying to do requires vulnerability. To be a beginner, again, requires vulnerability. And whenever we have vulnerability, here comes the critic. They're connected, right? Yes. Because the critic, at the end of the day, that critical voice inside of you and every single person has it. Mm -hmm. No one gets out of life without it because you have an ego. Yep. That critical voice is really there to protect you. Ultimately, she wants you to succeed, but she's doing it in this backdoor way to protect you from how emotionally exposing it is to just be you. You know, we're living in a conforming, we're all conforming. That's how we're social creatures. So really the stakes are so high to just be you that when you put something out there that's completely your own or go for something that really matters to you, it's like, here comes the critic. Wait, what if this happens? What if that happens? Yeah. Noticing it's there, being in relationship with her, befriending her in a way that it's like, you know what? I hear you, but I'm driving so you can get in the back seat, but you're welcome to stay in the car. You know, because wow, I know Paige. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. You know, like I'm it's her out of the car. I love it. No, because you I tried to do that. When yeah. when you I tried to kick her out of the car, but then guess what? She gets super loud. She's like egging your car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me in. But she's not gonna be in the driver's seat. Right. I and think that's, that's a big piece thing. of it. Yeah, the so inner it, critic is not gonna be in the driver's the critic, so the inner critic can be there. The inner yes. critic can have their thoughts and feelings. <laughs> Like yeah. a spoiled child, yeah. you can have your thoughts and feelings, but I'm going to keep going in the direction I'm going. I'm going to yeah. keep going where I'm going, but I appreciate, I appreciate your input. <laughs> yeah. It's so true because yeah. if you know, like to that point of slowing down your friend, or in my case, slowing down my client and getting her to say out loud what I'm afraid of, if you can't get aware and like say it and know it, you don't have a shot to consciously choose differently. When you get it out, then you can say to yourself, is that thought really true? So to your, to your question earlier, what did I face? What was an example of an, I'm not enough that I faced one of the most powerful and um, persistent statements was I don't have enough pain to do this work. So when I wanted to move from being a teacher, which I know I'm capable of teaching, I love teaching. And I think even in my coaching practice, I bring a lot of teaching to it. Oh yeah, for sure. You know, like that's my essence is is that energy. But to go then on your own and put a shingle out there and be like, hey, I'm open for business. Come hire me to help you with pain in your life. And yet if you saw me, if you knew me, I don't seem like I'm a person who's had a lot of pain. I mean, every person has had pain, Yes. but I would judge like, okay, I love my parents. I've had a great childhood. I've been able to go to school. I love my husband. We have a really great marriage. I work on it. It's not perfect. But you know, a lot of people in the healing arts are coming out there and um, teaching from the wound. Yes. You know, I teach more about life principles and I felt a lot of them, but some of the things I'm teaching of are broad p- principles. Like I've never been divorced. I've never lived in a car. I've never, um, I don't, I've, my best friends are still alive and my parents are still alive. So I haven't confronted a lot of like extreme loss or, yes, or yeah. multiple loss, you know, yes. so really use that against me. And I had this big pivotal moment. I spoke to a group of women in New Orleans where I'm from my mom and a group of her friends got a table at this event. It was for a nonprofit. There were probably 150 to 200 women in the room. It was for a luncheon. And I was um, in charge of the motivational speaking part of the luncheon. And I told my story about live what matters. And I'm up there inspiring women and setting intentions and living from the heart. That was the theme of the talk. 
And this was at the beginning of my speaking career. And I went, I was more nervous too, because my mom and all her friends were in the room. Oh and God, yeah. yeah. of them had retired and become therapists. And I walk over to one of my mom's dear friends after, and I said, you know, how, seeking approval. How was it? Are you- How okay? did I do? Yeah. <laughs> and she gave me a hug and she goes, you know, this is what you're supposed to do. She goes, what gets in your way? Like, why aren't you out there doing this like double, double full time? Right. And I looked at her and I say, I don't know that, that I've had enough pain. And she's a working therapist. She's worked in all um, economic backgrounds, serving other uh, clients. And she looked at me and she said, you can never have enough pain to solve or take away somebody else's pain. Yeah. You don't help anybody by staying small and saying that you don't have enough of something because you're never going to give that person enough of what they want. Right. What gives people inspiration and motivation is for you to claim your sufficiency. You have had enough. You have had enough love. Every human being has had enough suffering. Right. So to get out there and claim your truth, you're helping someone else. Yeah. So it was like just a powerful like aha moment. Shift, like a shift. Yeah. Yeah. Like we could never... I, can't I just feel like also pain is relative and pain is the same. Like people will sometimes say to you, oh, I don't want to complain about my kid to you because my kid was born with some physical challenges. Oh, right. I don't want to complain to you. And I was like... I, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. I could get just as upset about some trivial thing and feel pain over a, a trivial thing, or I could get upset about a myriad of things. That doesn't make it like, uh, there's no pain scale for me right. where it's yeah. like, oh, my pain. No, I'm sorry. You shouldn't complain to me. My pain so much greater. I feel like, you know, some people can just feel lost and that hurts me when I, they're so lost, you know, like this feeling that they have, you know, I feel like pain is relative. And I, I appreciate when people tell me like, I'm going to kill my kid because they didn't do their homework. I'm like, me too. Like I have that yeah. problem too. Like, you know, so, I mean, yeah. I think it's kind of, I just like when people are sharing and what they have, they're brave enough to share with me, you know, and go deep with me and tell me things because then it helps me sort out whatever I'm working through yeah. or it helps me, you know, reframe something I have been through in a different way. Yes. Yeah. And it's that, I think that um, example of the pain too, it's protecting me, right? Yeah. It's protecting me from somebody in my audience or some when I'm speaking and writing who can't relate to my work. Yes. I, my critic is saying, well, if you don't stay out there, you know, if you stay small and you don't share, then no one can attack you for, well, easy for you, Paige, you had parents who loved you or easy for you, Paige, you're married. Right. You know, whatever people say, you have three kids instead of five, you know, I have five kids or you don't have a kid on the spectrum and I do, you know, it's protecting you from that, but at the end of the day, it doesn't, connection is connection. And the, and the people who can hear me and feel me are the people who need my voice in the world to help them. Yes. And I think if we all can rise and live truthful lives and tell our own truth, we have a community waiting for us. We're, we're here for each other. We're yeah. here to belong to each other, yeah. you know? So I think that has been a process though. And it's little by little, connecting more deeply with the people who can see me and hear me yes. and leaving everybody else, you know, bless them. Get in the backseat. Get yeah. in the backseat. The ba yeah, there you go. Perfect. Yeah. Get yeah. in the backseat. That's what I'm taking away from this conversation. I'm going to put yeah. my, inner, my inner critic. He's going in the way back, by the way. I got a seven-seater. He's going way too. He might go in the trunk. Um, okay, we're going to do some speed round questions because you know yeah. I love speed round. What yeah. is a mantra or quote you live by, Paige? Oh gosh, I love the um, the Maya Angelou. People 
um, won't remember what you do. Uh, people yes. won't, you know what? I wrote it down somewhere. It's in my journal somewhere. They yeah. will only remember how you made them feel. Yes. I love that. Oh, I know. People won't remember what you say. People won't remember what you do. They will remember how you, they made you feel. You made them you feel. Made them feel. Yes. No, I love that one. And I, I have another a, a question on here, but I meant to change that question because I wanted to ask you one thing. What is a good, in my speed round, what is a good self-care tip? Something small that women can do. It could be something you do or that you just recommend. Something small, a little self-care, just like dip your toe in the self-care pool. Be around a tree. Walk outside and be around a tree. I always take, I go fully around my block. If you don't have a block to go around, walk up and down your street. Or if you live in an urban environment, find some sense of the sky or a tree where you live. I do this before any difficult conversation. I do this in transitions. If I'm going from, you know, back-to-back calls for my work to pick up my kids, I always take a walk before mm-hmm. I get into the minivan. Yeah. I just think we're, we are really, uh, we can get very disconnected from nature in our culture. Oh, 100%. And I just, right, right. Like even looking down, I notice sometimes I look down when I'm walking. If I'm, if I leave one meeting out in the world and I'm walking to my car, look up, Yeah. look up, like find yeah. a sky, find a tree Mm-hmm. and connect with nature, but not, I'm not talking about long hikes. I'm talking about like wherever you are. And I think trees are so powerful, yeah. you know, cause they're rooted and they're there. They've been there sometimes for hundreds and hundreds of years Yeah, and they're there just to support us. And everything about them is up. You know, everything about them is finding that higher looking up, looking up. Yes. Yeah. And like finding the second thought, not your first thought I love you know, it. for the more mature thought. I love it. What makes you feel unstoppable? Stopping. <gasps> yeah. 100% stopping. What? Explain I never this. Stop. I've never had this answer happen before. What does that mean? Just pausing, breathing. I mean, I'm not even kidding you, Liz. Like, I do not think I took a breath the first 10 years of my marriage. Oh. <laughs> like, I was like, well, one I'm breath. Married, three kids, two dogs. We bought a house. What are you going to do? Oh, you're unhappy in your career. I'm unhappy in my career. What are we going to do? We're going to go work for ourselves. Ugh. You know, like just stop. Stop. stop what pause. makes you feel unstoppable yes, is stopping. Oh my yes. gosh, gem of the world. Um, who do you admire most? Oh gosh. I admire anyone who I interact with or I see in the public eye who is living her truth. Mm-hmm. I really feel that. Like it could be a barista at the coffee shop making me the best cup of tea. You know, or it could be um, the person, the sales clerk at, or the sales associate at Nordstrom's who loves, you know, getting your job, loves their job, loves fashion. Yeah. Yeah. I just love when people- I had one of those. They were so great. This girl at Nordstrom, she was the best. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. But I really get jazzed up on that. And you know, it happens all the time in the public eye. I'm really into Laura Dern right now. I feel like she's a woman who's come into her craft- so, and making these brilliant speeches. I love Laura Dern, yes. Yeah, yeah this last love, award love, love. Season, So she's a public figure I've tuned into. Yeah. But I don't, you know, it changes. I just feel like that's the overarching theme. I get so entirely inspired by someone committed to their truth and to their craft, like how to design a life they love. By the way, I have one more question for you, but by the way, I saw Laura Dern and Reese Witherspoon walking together, holding hands, talking at a restaurant, like in the garden part. And I literally was like, I'm just going to die happy. They're your girls. To know that these two are actual friends 
And the way they were treating each other with such like, almost like a romantic date. They were so freaking cute together. Yeah. I couldn't even take it. Anyway. Well, well, both women living their truth. Yeah. I mean, sharing it with the world. That's what's so inspiring. And supporting each other to that end. That's what you're tuning into. Yes. What's exciting you the most right now? Practicing what I preach. Yeah. Yeah, Love it. Love, like really, um, I'm really interested in relationships. I'm really interested in the next iteration of Live What Matters being about relationship skills and honing in on that to help to serve my um, people, to serve my community, but starting within myself. I always want to be a leader and a person out there talking about things that I'm living. I've never wanted that. That was another thing that was really important to me in my career path. I don't do like work and then over here life. Like to me, it's all the same. My work is my life. My life, my life is my work. And I'm very aware of the end of it. You know, I think that's just part of my job. A lot of people find coaching when they've had um, some brush with the reality of their mortality. And I think death of awareness is just a really powerful thing for us to claim and to know and to live by. Yeah. And at the end of it, I want to say, you know, I, I wasn't just out there talking about this stuff. I embodied my message. I am this person, you know, and even just in my personal relationships, if I can help you in your relationship, it comes from my experience, my life history, you know, living to my core values. I think I'm really interested in that idea. Yeah, you are that person. Thank you, Paige. You are that person. And thank you for sharing your amazing journey. And by the way, people, Paige does private life coaching, also facilitates these great workshops and retreats, small groups, individual couples retreats. I've done them. They're amazing. How can they contact you, Paige? So my website is pagenolan.com, P-A-I-G-E-N-O-L-A-N.com. And then by cell phone is my work line. It's all my contact is in, in the on the website. Um, the best place to get to know my work is Instagram is where I yes. post a lot of the creative. You do kind of micro blogging on Instagram. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's a good term. I've never heard of that. Oh, you've never heard of That's what you're doing. Blogging. That's what I'm doing. No, that's what you're doing. You're, I've never known what to call it. Oh, and let me tell you something else. You're a digital producer because you're producing content online and you are micro blogging. That's what you're doing. Okay. Yes. Well, they can find me at Paige Nolan Wright, W-R-I-T-E. Yes. And if any of your listeners are interested in dipping a toe in coaching without the investment that is private coaching, I have an online course called Focus on the website. So Ooh, if you amazing. That, that, and that's six modules of me teaching and coaching with a workbook. And it's a great way to understand what coaching is about and, you know, get some tools, six tools. Oh my God. I love this page. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. You know, I love you to death. I so love you, you too. So much. Thank you for having me. What a great opportunity to talk about what I believe in. I love that. You're really, you're really championing women. So thank you, Liz. I love you, honey. I love you so much. Well, thank you for joining me today. And my awesome friend Paige, her, with her honest and true heart, I just adore her. Be sure to come back next week. We're going to talk to another warrior woman. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And if you enjoyed the show, remember to leave, leave us a review. It helps more people find us. Conversations with Warrior Women. That's me. I'm Liz Swadek. And remember, every woman has a story. You just need to ask her. Bye, guys. <laughs>